You know, this is the second weekend in the season of Advent. This is a season of preparation as we make our way toward Christmas and celebrating again the birth of Jesus Christ. So today I would invite you to just settle in for a bit in this holy place and meet with the God of peace. You know, our God promises to comfort those who are in distress, those who may be feeling wounded or vulnerable, those who are in need of forgiveness and reassurance. It is our God who offers us stability. And amid all the upheaval in our lives, he brings salvation to those who are suffering and he calls us to be bearers of good news. So that's our challenge on this second week of Advent. Pray with me, will you? Lord, as we come to celebrate again the coming of your Son into the world, draw near to us, we pray, and bring wholeness to those who may be today clinging to their brokenness. Speak to us a word that we need to hear for our healing this day, and send your Spirit to dwell with us and empower us as we seek to serve you in both familiar and unexpected places, not only today, but in the week ahead. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Our teaching series this month, as you know, is called Searching for God at Christmas. And if you weren't here last week, um, we talked about how this year we're looking at the Christmas story through the eyes of a famous character created by Charles Schultz about 53 years ago uh, by the name of Charlie Brown. And it's his search for meaning and purpose uh, at this season of the year. We also discovered last week that God is not usually found in the hustle and the bustle of this season, uh, but will be found when we get still, when we become quiet and search for God with our whole heart. You know, the world around us has made Christmas into just about everything else but uh, celebration of Christ's birth. And that's why it's so important that we who are Christ followers keep this story alive. We teach it to our kids and our grandkids and be reminded that all the other stuff, the gift giving, the lights, the trees, the parties, all of that stuff is secondary to the truth that God came into this world to save us and to show us what God is like and to give us hope and new life. So we're gonna continue the story today by looking at a piece of advice that one of Charlie Brown's friends, Lucy, uh, has de uh, gives him who has determined that all he needs is to be more involved. He needs uh, to be more assertive. He needs to be in control. And hopefully we'll discover that there are some applications in today's scripture readings uh, for those of us who live in the 21st century today. So let's pray together, shall we? God, we know that we live in a world that sometimes seems like it has been abandoned. We share in its sin. It's darkness, it's despair. At times we may even feel that we have been left alone to find our way out of the mess we've made of things. We've forgotten that this world was created by you, that you visited us in Jesus Christ, and this world is still yours, and it's the dwelling place of your spirit. So remind us again this morning that you are here with us as we worship, as we sing our praises to you. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I started last week talking about that, this Christmas movie from the pen of Charles Schultz called A Charlie Brown Christmas. And if you've seen the movie, you know that Charlie Brown's search for the true meaning of Christmas took him um, 
to several friends who all had different ideas about how to turn his attitude around and get the most out of the holiday. And the first person that Charlie Brown talks to is the one uh, who believes she has all the answers, and it's his friend Lucy. Lucy, as you saw, is at her psychiatric booth when Charlie Brown comes up to discuss his problem. And what Lucy decides Charlie Brown needs is involvement. Better yet, he needs the ability to direct, which means he is the one um, to tell others what to do. He, he gets to be in control. And the reason this makes sense for Lucy is because for her, life is all about being in control. Lucy loves to be in control. In fact, while Lucy tells Charlie Brown he's going to direct the play, she is the one who decides what part everyone gets. For Lucy, life is all about being in control and having her way, and if she doesn't get her way, she is willing to force the issue. You know, for many of us, life feels healthy and balanced and good when we're in control and when we get our own way, doesn't it? Now be honest, do any of you struggle with the need to be in control? Most of us really like to have things go our way and our need for control may be seen in little things like who gets to hold the remote control? Or who sets the thermostat at night? Or maybe our need for control is seen in larger issues like how money is spent in the family. You know, this time of year, the fight for control can be big, especially among newlyweds. I was thinking about this the other day. Newly married couples have an entire list of decisions they have to work through in order to celebrate their first Christmas. What kind of tree do you put up, artificial or real? What about lights, white or colored, blinking or non-blinking? When do you open gifts? Is it Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? What about the food on the table? Will it be turkey or ham or roast beef? You see, whether it is Christmas or any other season of the year, most of us like getting our way. We like to be in control. It's the human condition. In many ways, it is the original sin. Think back to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. God told them they that they, he was planting them in this place called paradise. The Garden of Eden had everything they could ever desire. They could eat uh, all of the foods and the fruits of any tree in the garden except one tree, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Genesis chapter two. But the Lord God warned them, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you eat its fruit, you will surely die. God gave them control over everything in this beautiful paradise, except eating from one tree, and what do Adam and Eve immediately want to do? They want to eat from that tree. They wanted total control of their lives. They want to be the ones who would make the decision. They want things their way, so they disobey God and do the one thing they were told not to do. Now, it was this decision to take control that broke their relationship with God. Their need to be in control not only broke their relationship with God, but it broke their relationship with each other. Look what happens when God asks them what's going on. Genesis 3, the Lord God asked, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? 
And the man replied, it was the woman you gave me who, ate, who gave me the fruit and I ate it. And then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent de- deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. So when questioned by God about what they had done, Adam and Eve are not honest. But they also don't support each other. Adam throws Eve under the bus by saying, she made me do it. And then Eve places the blame on the serpent. Not only is their relationship with God broken, but their relationship with each other is broken. Our need to be in control leads to sin which destroys our relationship with God and with each other, which leads to all kinds of evil in our world. But God does not leave us in our sin, and God does not leave us in broken relationships. God offers forgiveness, and God restores relationships, but only when we're willing to give it up, give up control. Giving up control was the message of John the Baptist who came to prepare the way for Jesus. In Mark's gospel, the first chapter, we read, this is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written. Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. This messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. All of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John, and when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. You see, John prepared people for Jesus by calling them to give up control of their life, to turn back to God, and they would do this through what we call repentance. The process of repentance requires two things, and the first thing is confession. We first need to confess that we are all sinners. We need to confess that like Adam and Eve, we like to control things, and we like to get our own way, and that all too often we disregard others in the process in order to get it. We are like Charlie Brown's friend Lucy, giving people five good reasons we should be in control but this way of life is killing us. Confessing our control issues isn't easy because while we can see uh, those issues of control in other people's lives, it's not always easy seeing them in our own life. Let me ask you, why is it that we can see how our spouses or our children or our parents or our coworkers are all control freaks? But if someone points it out in our own life, we get defensive. We just don't see those issues in our own lives, and if our eyes are ever open, so we do see it, just like Adam and Eve, we begin to make excuses and we begin to place blame. And if we want to experience the fullness of life that God has for us and God has promised us, then we need to repent, and the first step in repentance is to acknowledge our own sin and our own issues of control. So confession is that first step, but it's not the final step. The repentance of John was twofold. There was confession of sin and then there was baptism. John took people down into the Jordan River and baptized them with water as a symbol of new life. 
They were dying to their sin and rising up to live life differently. And after the death and resurrection of Jesus, baptism wasn't just a symbol of death and new life. There was this new real connection now to the death and the new life of Jesus. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome, and we read in chapter 6, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we die with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. And when he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul is saying to us that we were baptized into Christ's death and we were raised with him to new life. We know that our old sinful selves, he says, were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our life. So through Jesus' death, our sin has been destroyed so that like Jesus, we can be raised up to a new life that he promises. See, repentance isn't just acknowledging our faults and saying that we're sorry. It is actually turning away from that sin to live life differently. The word repent means to turn, to turn around, so that there's this desire in us to turn away from the sin, or in this case, to turn away from being in control of everything so that God can be in control and fill us with the life that he wants to give us. See, God has always wanted to have that kind of presence and control in our lives. And while God gave us free will, God has always wanted to live in this relationship with us where we allow him to lead us. God created us, and so God knows what's best for us. And if we allow God to lead us and in healthy ways control us, we will experience the fullness of life that God has promised us. When we give back control to God, we become connected to God through the Holy Spirit, and it is the Holy Spirit that helps us to live life differently. It is the Holy Spirit living in us that helps us to experience all the fruits of the Spirit that we read about in Galatians, um, in the New Testament, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And this is what we will experience in our lives when we give control back to God. You know, we see that one of the fruits of God's spirit is peace. And it is not the absence of violence in this case. It's not the absence of conflict as much as it is this deep connection to the, uh, 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 that we experience with God and with other people. 
Peace is what opens the door to forgiveness and helps us to reconcile and build relationships. So it is giving back control to God that we experience stronger relationships with each other. This was true for one man in the Bible who struggled with his own need to be in control of a situation that was quickly getting out of control, and this man's name was Joseph. Joseph was engaged to a woman, a young woman by the name of Mary. Everything looked ideal for them until Mary came home one day and told him that she was pregnant. How quickly life can get out of control. Joseph knew that he he was not the father and he struggled to believe what Mary was saying about God being the father, so he took control of the situation and he decided to dismiss Mary quietly. He cared for her and he didn't want to hold her up to disgrace. He didn't want to see her maybe even put to death, so he controlled the fallout and was simply going to divorce her quietly. That was Joseph's plan until one night when Joseph had a dream, and Matthew chapter one records it. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You see, God's plan For Joseph was to take Mary as his wife because the child she carried was God's child and that child was going to be the Messiah. Joseph had his part to play in God's plan, but the choice was his. Joseph could maintain control of his life and he could follow his plan or he could give up control and give it back to God and follow God's plan. And fortunately, Joseph chose God's plan. And while things were not easy, Joseph was able to experience the blessing of God because he had given up control and given it back to God. Joseph giving up control of his life helped Mary and the world experience the blessing of God that came through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, for Lucy in our story, finding meaning in life came from being in control. And that's what she offered to Charlie Brown. To find meaning in Christmas, she advised him to get involved, to take control, but you know what? It didn't work, and it never will work. Let me close with a story. In one of his books, uh, Henry Nouwen, who is a a Jesuit scholar and a spiritual writer, tells the story about some of his friends who were trapeze artists, the flying Rodellas. One thing they told Nowen is that there's a very special relationship between the flyer and the catcher on the trapeze. The flyer is the one who lets go, the catcher is the one who catches. As you might imagine, this relationship is important, especially to the flyer. And when the flyer is swinging high above the crowd on the trapeze, the moment comes when he must let go. He arcs out into the air and his job is to remain as still as possible and wait for the strong hands of the catcher to pluck him from the air. The trapeze artist told Nowen that the secret is that the flyer must never, ever 
try to catch the catcher. The flyer does nothing. The catcher does everything. The flyer must never try to catch the catcher. The flyer suspended in the air is is completely vulnerable, but must wait in absolute trust. The flyer must be still, and the catcher will catch him, but he must wait, and he must trust. See, a flyer must fly, and a catcher must catch, and the flyer must trust with outstretched arms that his catcher will be there for him. And then Nowen writes these words, remember that you are the beloved child of God. God will be there when you make your long jump. Don't try to grab on. God will catch you. Just stretch out your arms and your hands and trust, trust, trust. No matter how hard we try, You see, none of us, none of us can control everything. Those with some experience in life recognize that there is actually very little of any importance in life that that any of us can control, although some of us keep trying. But meaning and purpose and fulfillment in life aren't found in keeping control, but in giving it up, giving it back to God. The best gift that we can give ourselves this year is the gift of repentance. And if we can acknowledge our need to be in control and confess the ways that this is absolutely killing us, then we can begin to let go and let God lead our life. Let's pray. God, in this moment, help us to let go of all that the world Uh, would keep us from trusting you. Everything. We know that when we let go, we are able to receive. And when our hands are formed in tight fists, we cannot open our hands to receive anything. And when we hang on to tight control or when we close off our heart or our spirit, we cannot receive the blessings that you have promised us. So help us, Father, to let go in this moment and receive your loving presence around us and within us. Help us to let go when we are feeling overwhelmed in this season so that we may receive your peace. Help us to let go when we feel fear so that in fear's place we may receive love and courage. Help us to let go of problems and challenges in order to receive your guidance and your clarity. Help us to trust you knowing that you will catch us and you will never let us fall. We gladly receive this gift of letting go and letting you lead us and guide us this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.